The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on what is yet again a hot and sunny afternoon here in the Auburn Opelika area. Temperatures continuing to rise as the week goes on. Uh, When we had all that rain... I wasn't complaining about the temperature, but I am now because, man, it's hot outside. It hasn't been raining, but it is hot outside today. Hope you're all doing well on this Wednesday, June 28th, 2023. This is On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me, as always, is Carter Bird. Carter, happy Wednesday, brother. Hope all is well with you. Yeah, man, everything's good. It's so hot outside. <laughs> it's miserable. I got man. in my car just to drive up here, and it was the hottest my car's ever been. And it's only going to get hotter. It's like what in the mid nineties right now, but then the next couple of days going to be uh, triple digits almost. I don't know if it's going to quite hit a hundred here in Auburn, but I know up in Birmingham it's going to get to uh, 100, 101 uh, over the next couple of days. So uh, if you think it's hot Saturday, now, just give it a few days. Saturday, you get some uh, chance of rain here in Auburn. But 99 is the high. Man, that, that's as hot, man. It, it is going to be brutal. So be sure you're, you're drinking plenty of water, staying inside, only going out if you have to uh, with the, the temperature like Good it is. Goodness but gracious. Friday and Saturday in Birmingham, 101. Yeah, I know. 101. I know. With a chance of rain pretty much every day with the 4th of July coming up. So not excited about that. But hopefully that stays away uh, in the temperature Man, it's, it's just going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. There's nothing else to it. So go to the water park or something. Sit out in the pool or whatever you want to do to stay cool. Where's the uh, nearest water park? And then on the way to like the Atlanta airport? Is there one? Well, there's, Six Flags now has water rides, don't they? Before then, I think there's something. Really? I, I might be losing my mind, but I swear there is a there is a water slide that you can see driving down the interstate. <laughs> well, that maybe I've, I'm just that blind. I have never noticed in my life. And then I drove it one time at night. And it was like lit up, and I was like, where did that come from? I mean, I'll take your word for it. I've made that drive many, many times, and I don't think I've ever noticed a water slide. Doesn't mean it's not there. I just haven't noticed it. So maybe next time I, I go over there, I'll have to, <laughs> to take a look and see. But uh, other than that, I don't know where any of them are here around the Auburn Opelika area. But anyway, uh, we are not talking about the heat today. We are talking sports, and there's a lot to talk about here on this Wednesday afternoon. We are 66 days away from Auburn football kicking off. It's the Great Wolf Lounge in in LaGrange. Oh, okay. Have you ever been to one of those? Those places are actually really cool. No, they're really neat. It's like a. I haven't been to an amusement park type thing. It's been a while since Mall of America when I went up there for the fourteen All Star game after. Wow. After I I I broke my my hand playing baseball nice and so i went up there for the 14 all-star game because i didn't have anything to do for for the rest of the summer are you an amusement park guy are you a roller coaster person oh oh, i love i love like roller coasters and all that it's awesome but i just 
don't go very often. Yeah. Well, Six Flags is awesome. Uh, I don't like to go right now when it's a thousand degrees outside because it's miserable walking around all day. But Six Flags is awesome. I, I'm a huge thrill type of person like that. Who did I talk to recently? I don't. Even, I don't know if we talked to him or not. It was like for his 30th birthday, he was like, I want to be a kid one more time. So it was a buddy of Jack's. It was a buddy so they, of Jack. they went to yeah. Six Flags. Yeah. I, that's awesome. I love that. It was Jack. Jack, Jack Witt. That's it. Yeah. Oh, yes. I yeah. forgot all about yeah, that. It was, a, it was a buddy of our, our friend Jack Hudden. Not him, but a buddy of his, I, was, I think. I that just drew a giant blank, blank on who said And there is no hate here. If you are wanting to go and do that, be our guest, man. Go I for it. I love how it was like, I want to be a kid one last time. <laughs> I could never go back to Six Flags ever. Maybe maybe that was an agreement with him and his significant other. I'm not too sure. Um, but, again, we are 66 days away from Auburn football. Uh, lots of things to talk about with that. I want to talk some just general news around the SEC uh, with football, with basketball. Uh, we'll talk about that starting off today. Then, uh, halfway through this hour, we will talk about the SEC-ACC Challenge games that were announced today. A lot of surprises in the matchups here uh, in in the basketball world when the SEC Big 12 Challenge no longer a thing. It's now the SEC-ACC Challenge, Uh, so we'll talk about that. We will talk about who Auburn drew, when they're going to play, all that good stuff. Look at the other matchups around the conferences, so Excited to break that down uh, and and get your thoughts on it as well on the phone lines. Uh, then we will talk to Austin Hannon coming up in hour number two. He is from BamaCentral.com. We'll talk to him about the football scheduling because I don't believe we've had a chance to talk to him about that yet in 2024. We will talk about uh, the Bama players that got drafted in the NBA draft. Also them losing Quinterly but gaining a big player in the transfer portal today and the ACC, ACC Challenge. So lots of things to talk about with Austin Hannon coming up in hour number two but until then want to start talking about some news around the SEC and the phone lines are open today give us a call we would I love to to have a conversation with you you can be on the line 334-321-1390 and Carter I think it would be uh, the best place to start uh, unfortunately to start today with the very very tragic news that we got yesterday uh, about a former SEC football player a former NFL quarterback one of the greatest talents I've seen play SEC quarterback in a long long time a guy that I grew up watching you grew up watching because it was right in the heart of us being kids watching growing up and watching SEC football the passing away a former Arkansas quarterback Ryan Mallett who uh, died from a, a drowning accident down in Florida um, it, it's been it's not been uncommon, unfortunately. It seems yeah. like there have been numerous deaths with I think with I think drowning. I've seen that there have been sixty drownings kinda in the Gulf of just riptides. Yeah. And it's it's horrible. It is. And it's so sad, man. It's so sad because it's one of those things where you know, families and people go on vacation, they're going on trips and they're in the water. It's we just talked about how it's hot outside, right? You want to go in and enjoy it, but there's just so many dangers with the yeah. ocean like that, man. And it, and it, you know, I was reading some things about it where, where it seems like the sheriff department and stuff, they're flying over the water, they're going out telling people stay out, stay out, stay out. But at the end of if the day, a, if I mean, it's like a double red flag, they fine you. Yeah, yeah, you can be fine. I mean, you can be put in jail for that. I'm pretty yeah, sure. It's on a second offense. They can 
arrest you yeah. and take you to jail because it is and i've actually asked people about that you know locals down there when we go on trips the reason for that is yes it's dangerous for the swimmer mm-hmm. but it's also dangerous for the lifeguards and dangerous for you know the police oh, and something it, it's like dangerous that. for anybody that gets involved in trying to go save that exactly person. i mean i forgot that this was this year ryan mallet's not the first arkansas player on his teams, or maybe it was a little bit before him, for like relatively recent Arkansas player to have an, uh, a situation like this. Peyton Hillis in January. Yeah. That was January of this year. If you'd asked me yesterday, I would have told you that was a year, year and a half ago. I know. It seems like that it was a couple of years ago. And yeah, and it was literally like January 7th mm-hmm. was, yeah. was when his, his incident happened where he saved his kids and I think his niece, I want to say. Yeah. Uh, and he had he was in critical condition was in the in the hospital for I think a few weeks and then he I think February sometime in there he said he put out some sort of statement saying he expects to make a full recovery but mm-hmm. yeah man it's riptides are no joke and and Ryan Mallett Man, this sucks. It yeah, sucks whenever something like this happens. Sucks a lot. Um, and and you look at the, the somebody who I enjoyed so much. Oh, I did play. too, man. I did Thought too. He was going to be really good in the NFL if he just got a shot. Never really got that opportunity. Um, somebody who battled through a lot in his life and was the head coach at Whitehall High School in in Arkansas, and seemed to be on a path to try to make an impact in young people and it just it's so horrible and unfortunate that he passed away like this at the age of 35 uh, I mean a 35 year old man who as you mentioned was a head high school football coach in Arkansas uh, I think was an Arkansas Razorback legend I mean he he was a guy that I remember watching at Arkansas where he had an absolute cannon. I mean, he threw it harder than anybody I'd ever seen throw the football at my young age like that. And it has stuck with me as a guy that I really, really enjoyed watching when he was at Arkansas. And he uh, he had Arkansas in an 8-4 and four season. He had two unbelievable years as a quarterback, not just at Arkansas, but just in the SEC. Uh, you look at some of the stats, in two years there, he passed for 7,500 yards and 62 touchdowns in just two years as the starting quarterback in Fayetteville. Um, he he got a Liberty Bowl victory, offensive MVP. He In the next year, he finished in the top 10. He finished seventh in the Heisman voting in 2010, if you don't remember that. like He was a good quarterback, man, and he was a lot of fun to watch, accurate, like I said, he could throw it harder than just about anybody that I've ever seen. He was enormous. Yeah, he was. He was a he unit. Was, he, was, he, was. he was T.J. Finley's size before T.J. Finley, mm-hmm. except he was an elite SEC quarterback at Arkansas. I mean, and when when Bobby Petrino got there and turned him into something special, man, that Ar- those Arkansas teams were no joke. I mean, think back to the 2010 Auburn game. I know he gets banged up late in that game, mm-hmm. but – He's putting up numbers, and that game gets into a shootout where there's over 100 points scored in the game. Auburn wins, like, what, 65-43 or something like that? Yeah, it was crazy. Just had to and had to have a couple defensive scores at the end of the game. Josh Bynes came up with back-to-back, on back-to-back offensive plays, a couple interceptions to, to seal it for Auburn. But, man, it's 
he was part of some really, really fun Arkansas teams. And, I mean, just a really fun player to watch. According to the uh, Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office, this was in Destin, Florida, a very, very um, common destination uh, vacation site. My family, go. we used to go every year uh, growing up. And so uh, according to the County Sheriff's Office, this is from uh, the ESPN article posted about this uh, yesterday, yesterday evening. Uh, it says, quote, the Sheriff's Office said first responders were called to a beach in Destin, Florida around 2.12 p.m. local time as a group of people swimming in the Gulf of Mexico near a sandbar struggled to make their way back to shore. One of the individuals later identified as Ryan Mallett was not breathing when he was pulled out of the water and was transported to a local hospital where he was pronounced dead once he got there. So uh, it's just, it's extremely sad, not just because he was an SEC football player, but just somebody at the young age of 35 as a high school coach, leading young men, uh, having an impact like he did on and off the field, on the sidelines. I mean, just a guy that you always enjoyed watching. It seemed like had a lot of respect in college, in the NFL, never really got to do a whole lot on the professional yep. level, but he was just seemed like a really good dude. And, and it's just sad to see somebody pass away at, at such a young age and in such a tragic event uh, by, by the drowning there in Destin. So I definitely wanted to mention that today uh, that Ryan Mallett passed away at the age of 35, former Arkansas quarterback uh, and NFL quarterback as well. So yeah, it's just, it's sad, man. It really is sad yeah. to, I mean, to it, see it. It's, it's difficult when things like this happen and it's horrible, but I mean, you, you really can't say anything else other than that. I mean, yeah. somebody who had a lot of life to live and was going to make, I mean, made impacts on young men as a football coach already, but had a pretty bright future, I think, to do that going forward. I think he'd been the coach at Whitehall for uh, just a year. I mean, I saw some, some Arkansas beat writers, like, we're talking like nine days ago, pictures of him at on at Arkansas's complex with his team for camps and stuff and it's it's difficult it's 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 really difficult to have something like this happen we'll talk some transfer news in SEC basketball when we come back here on the Wednesday edition of on the line you are on the line on ESPN 1067 Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. All right, back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. Let's talk a little transfer news in the SEC when it comes to college basketball. We talked a little bit about this yesterday, uh, the fact that Javon Quinterly transferring away from Alabama, but... Seems like they're going to do just fine as they pick up somebody they've been after, somebody that will... I mean, are we sure that they're going to do just fine? Well, I, right, right now they have one point guard. They do. In the case of this transfer, I think they're going to be fine. I yes. like this guy. I think he's good. I have thoughts on it, and I do want to uh, discuss it. So, again, Alabama is losing Javon Quinterly, but they land Grant Nelson from North Dakota State. He commits to NATO in Alabama today. Uh, Carter, when you watch his film and you look at this guy – when he fits into Alabama, that's what jumps off the page to me. Nothing crazy. He's a good player. He doesn't just say, wow, that guy is unbelievable. But I think he's going to fit Alabama and Nate Oates' program really, really well. Well, they have to They have to bring in size. They're, they're not a big team. They're like All of the size on the team left 
right now. I mean, they have Nick Pringle, who is six foot nine, and now you bring in uh, Grant Nelson, the six eleven seven footer, depending on where you look. But he's not very heavy, man, for somebody who's seven feet tall. He's just two hundred fifteen pounds. They're not going to be a very physical team. I think a lot of. But have shooting, they been in the past though? They're not. They they're were, not worried they about were, being. They physical. were more physical and long and athletic last year, I think. But they still want to run and gun. They still want to run, shoot, and just yes, be more athletic yes, than you. Yes, but I think. I mean, you lose Betty Ako, you lose Brandon Miller, you lose Noah Clowney. I'll say this: for a small guard, I think Quinterly had some physicality to him. I could give and you that. And so he's gone as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think they've done. I don't think they've replaced the production that has left. And I'm not sure this Alabama team is going to have a great follow-up year to the best team they've ever had that still didn't get past the Sweet 16. Yeah. I mean, I like when you look at it right now at the when you look at the roster, there is still just one point guard. You've got a couple other guards, you've got Rylan Griffin back who can shoot a little bit. Uh he was kind of up and down. Um, and but you've got Mark Sears who can shoot. You go bring in the guy from Hofstra. You bring in a couple other transfers. But with the style that they play, which is we're going to run and we're going to shoot so many threes because, you know, they have that practice habit of they have a four-point line in their gym for yeah. practice uh, to try to incentivize their guys to keep shooting threes. Well, Grant Nelson's not a great three-point shooter either. And I don't think he's the type of guy. I like. I, I think if you make him go down low, and try to have him bang bodies with even Janai Broom, who's not the most physical big man, I think he's going to be a lot more physical this upcoming year. Mm-hmm. I don't think Grant Nelson can hold his own physically down low with Janai Broom. I don't either. And and I think when you go and you watch his film at North Dakota State, I was watching a little bit of it today. He's a he's a good player. I also yeah. am really fascinated to see how it translates. Exactly. Yes. And that's exactly where I was going is he didn't have to be physical at North Dakota State. He wasn't a get down low and put a body on a body and make a move. He was finesse. He was mm-hmm. dribbling. He has a very high release point on his jump shot. And... That's what he was asked to do at North Dakota State, and we'll see if that is what he is asked to do in Tuscaloosa. But, yeah, when you start thinking about the bigger guys in the SEC, just starting with Janai Broom, who we both agree is going to be one of the the best players in the SEC, I don't expect him to be able to hold his own when he goes down low more than not. And you may have to see him do more fadeaway shots, pull-up jumpers, even you know, live and die by the three like we've seen Alabama do for some time now. Um, look, I think he he can stretch the floor. He can be a threat from outside for Alabama, can Grant Nelson, but I just don't know how physical he's going to be on an Alabama team that, like you mentioned, is not going to be very physical anyway. A couple names that we even forgot about that have left this Alabama program. You had Namari Burnett. Mm-hmm. He transferred to Michigan. He wasn't the biggest key player for Alabama. A lot was expected when he came in because he transferred in, I believe, I want to say from like Texas Tech or something. Jaden Bradley left. The other point guard. Yeah. They don't have a lot, man. They have to go get one. I'm really fascinated to see what this Alabama team is going to look like. Like, is Aaron Estrada the Hofstra transfer? Is he your backup point guard now? Yeah, maybe. Or are you going to try to go – Get a junior college point guard? Are you going to try to reclassify a 25 guy into this class? 
I think they have to go get one. Or a, I guess it would be a 24 guy into this class. Uh, I think you got to go get something, but I don't know what your options are. Yeah, right. I mean, you're getting towards the end of June, early July. I mean, you're, you're running. Same problem we talked about with Kentucky. It's like, you're running out of options, man. You're running out of yes. the you're running out of legitimate bodies that will benefit your program and elevate your program that you could bring in through the transfer portal. Doesn't mean they're not out there, doesn't mean you can't find anybody, but it doesn't mean you're going to get the best of the crop when it comes to the transfer portal. Uh, you look at you look at Nelson and this past year when he was at North Dakota State, first team all summit league. Uh, he averaged just under 18 points a game and just over nine rebounds. So that was at North Dakota State, and we have this conversation every time a player like this comes to a big conference from a smaller conference, a big school from a smaller school. You already mentioned it. How will it translate, right? What will his role truly be on this Alabama team, and how will it transfer into the SEC? Uh, we've mentioned how we believe the SEC will not be as good or as talented this year. But it's still a really good conference, and you're going to see yes, some really, really good ball. talent, and you're going to see some really good teams in the SEC. So I'm interested to see how Nelson develops and how he adapts from North Dakota State to the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, I mean, I think I think when when it's all said and done after this next year, I think the SEC is going to still going to, even though it's a down year, still going to be the third best conference in college basketball behind, behind the Big Twelve, mm-hmm. and the Big Ten is going to be better this year because of the the step that the SEC is going to take back, I think the I think the Big Ten is going to have enough teams that kind of hang in, and I think you're going to see a Wisconsin team be a little bit better and a Ohio State team be better. Probably uh, more middle ground teams. Uh, SEC yeah. is going to be good or not, basically, good or bad, and I feel like the Big Ten could I be like we've seen in the past where you have a Purdue that's really good, you have a couple teams that are really bad, and then a lot of teams right there in the middle that can be a threat throughout the tournament. I agree with that. But when you look at the transfers coming in for Alabama, you have Reitzel from Cal State Fullerton, so out in the Big West. Mm-hmm. Was a 16-point-a-game guy, not a big assist guy, 2.4. Two I mean, that's not bad, but that's kind of like – that's good for, for a two-guard. That's not your point guard. Is he going to be – that second point guard is is Estrada, who was 20 points and 4.3 at Hofstra, but that level of competition is really bad in comparison to the SEC and the CAA. I just – I don't know who's going to handle the ball – if if Mark Sears goes down with an injury, where do they turn? If I mean, and we've seen in the past when you have a really really tall, really really skinny guy like Grant Grant Nelson, you're a little more susceptible to injuries. Mm-hmm. If he goes down, because he is by far the tallest player on this team, what do they go to for size? This is going to be a really small Alabama team, with the exception of. Grant Nelson, and like you said, he's not the type of guy, he's not your typical college big man that's going to go down there and bang bodies down low. He's in a, he's more of a wing. He's, yeah. a, he's a stretched out wing. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't know if they have the dudes. Like if, if Oscar Shibwe had come back at Kentucky, there is nobody on this Alabama team that would be able to handle him at all. He would Oscar Sheboy would have forty points and twenty five boards. <laughs> he would against this this version of this Alabama team coming up this next year. Do you believe Nelson will play a big four or go 
true five. I don't think he plays a five. I think he plays a super stretch three and a big four, and then they just have to yeah. play small. Gosh, they are just going to have to play small. They're going to have to play. It, it's it's not quite as bad, but like the Bruce Pearl teams where you had like Sin Bowers at like six, seven playing center. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's going to feel like when you see the style that they play, I think. To play devil's advocate really quick. Could that not feed into Alabama's type of play, Nate Oates' type of play, where they do like to run and shoot and, and be athletic? And Now, I know they've done that, and they usually have a big guy down low who can just vacuum in rebounds, but maybe this will feed into what Alabama wants to do. I mean, yes, you bring in st- statistically some good shooters. Mark Sears is a good shooter. We know that. Ryland Griffin is a good shooter. But Brandon Miller's not on the court. The number one priority for everybody in the country, the the best freshman in college basketball, the best player in the SEC, probably the best natural shooter in college basketball last year. He's not there. How much worse do you see the numbers for the shooting numbers for Riley Griffin for Mark Sears get? And I mean, we're you're gonna see this Auburn team when they when they play Alabama. Aaron Estrada and Reitzel, they haven't really seen the length that Auburn's going to have. How are they going to react to the length, the size, the athleticism of the SEC? I don't think they're going to replicate the same numbers. And we'll see how they react to the talent of the ACC when we talk about the SEC-ACC challenge opponents when we come back. Jacob Goins and Carter Bird on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. He's Carter Bird. I'm Jacob Goins with you in the ESPN 1067 studio. Well, today we were expecting it, uh, but we have the matchups for the much anticipated I think ACC SEC basketball challenge of course the SEC Big 12 challenge no longer a thing I'm sad to see that one go because we had some really fun matchups some interesting matchups you had the the ones that were cemented in Uh, but it is good to have change and I think this will be a good change uh, in college basketball we'll talk about the changes they made we'll talk about the matchups as well ones we're excited about of course the one for Auburn as well and if you have thoughts on it give us a call Uh, you can join in on the conversation 334-321-1390 and before we talk about the matchups themselves Carter uh, we speculated this yesterday and it happened I don't like this move I understand it but I don't like it um the SEC ACC men's basketball challenge will take place Tuesday, November 28th and Wednesday, November 29th. And if you remember, the SEC Big 12 challenge was always late January, seemed like that last Saturday in January. It was a nice break from conference play. Everybody took the weekend off and you just got to play a game that yeah. was always fun but didn't technically matter towards your conference standings. You could always build a resume. You had exciting road trips, all that type of stuff. Stuff. This is why your SEC season has been bumped back a little bit. That's right. why. Right. And because we talked about Auburn mm-hmm. opening up SEC play, which is usually late December, early January. Yeah. You're correct. That's why all of this was bumped back. So, look, I get it, right? You just throw these games into the regular non-conference mix. I understand how it lines up. I just thought it was a cool thing that they were doing where everybody got to take the weekend away from conference play 
play an unfamiliar opponent, normally a pretty good opponent, where you could, like I mentioned, build a resume for the NCAA tournament, play some unique teams, matchups, road games, whatever. I just liked how that was set up, but they moved it, and this will be taking place on Tuesday, November 28th, and Wednesday, November 29th. Uh, I will read through all the matchups, and then we can talk about them. We'll start with uh, with Auburn. Don't worry. Oh, I'm sure you do. There's a couple of them, and there's some surprises in here, too, that I was not really expecting, uh, but we'll talk about all of those. So, Starting on Tuesday, November 28th, the SEC-ACC Men's Basketball Challenge. On Tuesday, you will have LSU at Syracuse. You will have Missouri at Pitt, Mississippi State at Georgia Tech, Notre Dame at South Carolina. Kentucky will play host to Miami. Ole Miss will host NC State and Alabama will host Clemson inside of Coleman Coliseum. Then on Wednesday, you will have Tennessee on the road in Chapel Hill at North Carolina. That's definitely one of the highlights of all of this. You have Texas A&M on the road at Virginia. Florida will be on the road at Wake Forest. You have Duke, who will take a trip to Fayetteville, Arkansas, to take on the Razorbacks. You have Virginia Tech making a trip to the loveliest village on the Plains to take on Auburn. You have Georgia, who will be coming to Florida State. And Boston College will take a trip to Nashville and play Vanderbilt. So, Carter, let's start with Auburn hosting Virginia Tech, and then we'll kind of work our way out from there. I'm disappointed. Is this the most boring team that they could have given Auburn I'm so disappointed Virginia Tech's not good at anything anymore no they're awful this doesn't excite me this is bad Auburn's gonna win by 25 I'm not gonna say that I think I, I, th- I think Vodtech is a middle of the pack ACC school which in the current state of the SEC means you're pretty bad but I I think that they'll hang within 15 maybe Auburn extends I mean, it maybe. closer to 20 I have no worry about Auburn losing this game I don't either I don't either and I'm but with you I don't it doesn't get me excited I'm not like oh sweet Virginia Tech like there are four other teams that we would that we talked about yesterday that we would have been excited to see Auburn play because they get to host it in the first year and There's you get so Virginia many, Tech the only other teams that I would have been less excited about Boston College Boston, Boston College, College and, or Wake? And, no, like I can talk myself into Wake more than I can Virginia Tech. At least Wake's like, oh, like Chris Paul, Tim Duncan, <laughs> what's up? Yeah, but not like they're going to be making a trip to the name, plains. Name one Vatek basketball player that you know <laughs> on the top of your head. Name one. One. Oh, put me on the spot. I'm just Boston not excited about Virginia Tech, Tech man. You I'm can not. make the argument Boston College would have been more interesting because Bruce was a student manager there. Yeah, you can at least make but a tie. This, I'll, I'll say this about the whole thing. All of these matchups are garbage except for three, but three had to be good. Like, you were guaranteed for... Th- and one of those three is weaker than it should be. But you yeah. have two really good matchups that excite me a lot. Del Curry. That's who played at Virginia Tech. Del Curry. Google machine bails him out again. Yep, it did. You better believe it. You better believe Google bailed me out on that one. And that's the thing is like with this matchup, I just don't. And look, if any Auburn fans are excited about it and you're not wrong, give us a call. We want to know why. And I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. It's just there's so many other teams. Syracuse, Pitt, 
Notre Dame, Miami, I said that one yesterday, NC State, Clemson, North Carolina, Virginia, for obvious reasons, Wake Forest, sure, Duke, Florida State, Boston College, any of the other teams on this list I would have been excited about. I would have been like, all right, that's pretty cool. But Auburn got Virginia Tech, the second worst in the bunch. Now, not everybody's included. You know, it's only a certain number of teams per conference per year. Um, I'm just not excited about Virginia Tech, and I'm sorry. I wish I could be more. I wish I was, but I'm just not. And not to mention... Del Curry is the only, the only Virginia Tech basketball player that averaged double digits in points in the NBA. Well, there you go. The next highest The more you know. Wayne Robinson averaging 7.94 points. What year did he play? I don't know. Dell or, or no wait Robinson because that name sounds familiar. I just can't remember what year he played. It and it may be years. It may be somebody by that the I'm stats I just completely different. He played a single year with the Detroit Pistons in eighty eighty one. Well, that is definitely not who I was thinking of. Just kidding. Um, and so on top of Auburn playing Virginia Tech, they're playing them at eight fifteen on that Wednesday night. It's a late night game inside of Neville Arena, which I mean, is fine. I don't mind that. But, but think, I mean, they're all going to be night games. It's just you had a chance for Auburn to play some really really cool opponents and they just didn't get one they didn't get one and and one more thing about ESPN not have a say in this because this is garbage because Auburn Virginia staring you in the face yep staring you in the face and you said no we're gonna give him Vatek and that's and that's where I go it's like there's so many questionable matchups here like Look, okay, so Auburn, Virginia Tech, right? Texas A&M, Virginia? What? Uh, cool. Why? <laughs> like, I mean, I guess why? I guess based on standings, they both were pretty good in their league last year. Virginia wasn't all that great. I think if you put them in the SEC last year, they would have been a middle-of-the-pack team. Um, I mean, heck, A&M. A&M might have finished second in the ACC behind Duke last year. Might have, might have won the league, to be honest with you. But... Like, why why not Miami and Florida? Why not Miami and Alabama? You know what would be a great one? Notre Dame. Make them go to LSU and let's get the yeah. the, the Catholics coming down to Baton Rouge and just experience experiencing mm-hmm. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah. Oh, but these are awful, man. I'm with you. And, and so not only did the SEC Big 12 Challenge go away, the ACC Big 10 Challenge went away, and so then they were like, hey, ESPN, let's merge the SEC and ACC, which is they're, fine. They're all going to be SEC schools, or, or ESPN schools. Right, correct. Rather. They will be at ESPN schools. Um, but Duke, Kentucky, that's an easy one. I'm fine with Tennessee, UNC. I think that's great. I even think Duke, Arkansas is great. Make... Make Miami go to Arkansas. Make Miami go to Tennessee. And I said then have Miami at UNC. I said have Miami come to Auburn. Matchups. I would have been cool with I'm Miami coming to Auburn. Too. I agree. But these matchups are trash. Yeah, there's just so many that are just not exciting or questionable. Mississippi State, Georgia Tech. Yikes. Like, yikes. Maybe the fifth best matchup at once you get out outside of. Duke at Arkansas, Bud Walton's going to go nuts for that. That's going to be that's going to be a great game. That one's going to be great. Tennessee and Chapel Hill. Yes, that one's going to be great as well because they'll be fired up for that. A and M at Virginia is going to be hyped up, and it should be a good game. Those, and then Miami at Kentucky. Those four 
are the ones that definitely stand out. I even think I I think Miami, Kentucky, and A and M, Virginia are weaker than they should be because of how you match them up. The fifth best matchup, NC State at Ole Miss. I agree. NC State at Ole Miss. It's a sneaky good game. Because in terms of name brand for basketball and then just name brand as a school, like LSU at Syracuse, no. Because LSU's awful. Syracuse is as bad as they've been in a long time and a first-year head coach. That doesn't excite me. I mean, maybe your sixth best matchup is Missouri at Pitt. That could be a sneaky good one. It could be. Because you were both tournament teams last year, Mm -hmm. but there's no Kobe Brown anymore. I don't know what the state of Pitt's roster is, but I don't think that's going to be a particularly great game. Like, these are awful. Especially when... They're so bad. Who at ESPN thought this was a good idea to... Not make better matchups than this. Yeah, there's just, again, there's the questionable matchups with this. Like, you could have given Florida State a handful of SEC teams that would have been like, oh, that's going to be awesome. And you gave them Georgia. Like, that doesn't yeah, make a I mean, whole lot I mean, of sense. You're, you're not going to give them Florida because they play anyway. I get it. But, I mean, F- FSU Georgia's fine. But, I mean, FSU, I, I would have been more excited if I was Auburn. To get FSU because no it's a big name. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, they're trash right now, but at least it's a big name and it's a team that's been good recently. How much of this in your mind? I think this is an interesting turn. How much of this do you think is because of the state of both of these conferences coming into twenty three and twenty four? Because both of them I don't know. are going to be I, down. Well, I think SEC is going to be down. Want to make better matchups? Heck. I this just clicked for me. Make A and M go to Virginia Tech, and Virginia come to Auburn. Yeah, because then you get the atmosphere in Neville Arena would be awesome. You want to know the connection between A and M and Vatech? Buzz Williams was the coach at Vatech when he left them. That's the last time they were worth anything, and they just completely disregarded it. Like you switch those two teams, and you instantly make all of these matchups that much better there's got to be a reason right there has to be a reason i to me to me the only reason why you don't send virginia to auburn is the acc in virginia were like no please don't (laughs) yeah that'd be mean yeah we're (laughs) we stand for this and it is not going to happen (laughs) they're gonna be really mean to us if we go to neville arena yeah that would be Look, I love Auburn, this and is, I love Auburn fans, be, but be, that would be a toxic It'd be atmosphere. a top three atmosphere in the history of the arena here on campus. No doubt about it. I agree 1 million and percent. ESPN decided, nah, nah we're, we want to make less money. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I just, I, I don't know why these matchups are this bad. There's, there's no excuse for them to be this bad. The fact that Miami is going to Kentucky... I promise you Kentucky fans are not excited about that. And if they are, let me know. And we're going to have Lance Dahl in the studio tomorrow. We'll talk about that a little bit. Does Kentucky really care that Miami is coming to town? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to care. You could have sent Syracuse to Kentucky. They'll show up and pack it out because they're Kentucky, and that's just what they do on basketball games. They do that when they play each other. Yes. Like, that's just how it happens. But, like, the two games that generate the most excitement just looking at them on paper – Tennessee at UNC, but Duke at Bud Walton, 
that place is going to be a zoo. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. And I think you're going to have two really good teams playing in that game. I'm going to have I'm going to have to have a second TV on that game on full volume. I might have the Auburn Virginia Tech game on mute. <laughs> you're not going to go. It's in Neville Arena. No. <laughs> you're just giving up on it, huh? I will I will have you're, it on mute because that Duke Arkansas game is going to be awesome. Yeah. And but, you get but, to stay like, home and is, watch Tennessee, North Carolina. This is so disappointing, man. And I can't. We, I just we can't get over up like, oh, this the new challenge. Oh, it's going to be sick. This sucks. This is awful. Put it on a T-shirt. This is garbage. Put it on a T-shirt. And, and I just can't get over how disappointed I am when it comes to you split this amazing event up over two days. Like I get it, right? I get it. You just put it in two days. You put it in the heart of non-conference schedule. That's fine, but call me untraditional or whatever. I don't know. I just really, really enjoyed that Saturday where everybody got to take take a break from conference play, and you had SEC Big 12 Challenge from 11 a.m. until 11 p.m. And you could just watch all the games, keep up with it, keep up with the challenge, right? Have two or three screens going. I loved that. I, I loved that as a college I, I, basketball I like connoisseur. That. I loved it. I don't like the way that all these games are stacked to compete against each other. Yeah, now you've got four I mean, heck, games going on at the same time. Five games heck, going on at the same time. Tuesday's better than Wednesday in terms of scheduling, because at least you have a little bit of a stagger. There's four games at 7, one at 7.30. I mean, these are all Eastern time times. So four, four games at 6, one at 6.30, one at 8, and one at 8.30. That's a little better. But these, like, how do you bungle this? You had a chance to make this cool from the get-go. And you made it, I mean, it, dude, it is, it is lukewarm coffee. It's a shoulder it is. It's a it meh. is room temperature milk. This is bad. This is it's worse. gross. This is worse than church coffee, man. That's what this is. No, church. On the flip side. Church coffee is holy. Yeah, but it's never any good. You drink it because you're there. On the flip side, really quick, Auburn on the women's side, they drew Clemson. I think that's fun. I think Auburn basketball, Auburn women's basketball, getting to host Clemson will be uh, a lot of fun with, with where that program's going. Those two teams have had some some interesting battles over the past few years. So I still think that the women's the women's side's better, better, but I still think it could be even better than this. Yeah, it could. Mm. Like like I is I don't know is Boston College a good women's basketball program because like you're playing you're going to rub well they like don't, they don't like, play women's and playing rub Va- Vatek at LSU is going to be a really good one it's gonna be a really good one yeah but man like and I guess Louisville at Ole Miss could be something maybe but they're like I just this is so underwhelming yeah it this is. is so underwhelming it is so- South Carolina at UNC on the on the women's side I don't mind it I think that's pretty good I I South Carolina is going to roll, but that's a pretty good matchup. It at least it's, makes it's sense. These these this matchup that you get between these two teams that play each other fair fairly often. It's a pretty big matchup that they actually care about. I like that one. But man, I like like the women's side is better. I think both sides could be so much better. I'm with the men's you. side is garbage. Men's Auburn. side throw it in the trash. <laughs> 
<laughs> Auburn women's basketball draws Clemson in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Auburn men's basketball draws Virginia Tech. That'll be played on Wednesday, November 29th, 8-15 inside of Neville Arena. We'll take our final break, come back, wrap up hour number one here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up hour number one here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Be sure you stay tuned. Coming up in hour two, we'll talk some more about the uh, ACC-SEC challenge and talk about the teams really comparing them and who, who who's going to win, who's going to lose, the teams that are uh, you know, how they're going to be put together, how they're going to look this season, uh, and all that good stuff. So that'll be coming up in hour number two. And also Austin Hannon of Bama Central will join us on the phone lines. We have a, man, we have a lot to talk about with him today. Uh, he wasn't on with us last week. We have scheduling for football, scheduling for basketball, basketball transfers. Uh, we, we have Alabama's draft picks yeah, in the NBA yeah. draft. We have all types of stuff to talk about with him coming up. So that'll be at 3.30, so looking forward to that. Uh, we got about a minute or so before we get out of here in this first hour. And I just when it comes to this SEC-ACC challenge, I think I'm going to miss the Big 12. Even if we had better matchups here, I think I'm still going to miss playing the Big 12 just because yeah, you seem like you got better be so matchups. Cool. Yeah. You there did so many you cool did matchups. get better matchups. Yeah, the, these matchups are trash and part of the reason why is the ACC is a joke. Out of the Power 5, will it be 4 or 5 probably? I mean, the, what they were 6th last year. <laughs> yeah, they were. They were they were they, were, they may have been 7th, I want to say. Hang on, I'm I'm gonna see if 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 I can find this out. It's crazy I'm how the tides have turned sure, for the I'm ACC. I'm pretty sure the ACC, according to Kimpom, was like by far like the worst Power Five conference, and behind a couple a couple of conferences, yes, they were the seventh best conference according to Kimpom, behind the big in order the Big Twelve, the Big Ten, the Big East with their late charge. The SEC, Pac-12, and the Mountain West. Give me an SEC Big East Challenge. I would be all over it. They don't have enough teams. I don't care. Make it happen. <laughs> make make, make it happen. play twice. That's right. Play tonight, and then you play tomorrow. I would love In that. In a different place. That's right. Travel overnight on the bus. I don't care what you have to do. We'll talk some more about it coming up in hour number two. an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067. Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goins and Carter Bird. 
You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7. Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins. Alongside me is Carter Bird. If you missed any of hour number one, had some interesting conversations. Uh, we talked about uh, the Alabama basketball news as they picked up a transfer player uh, from North Dakota State. So we talked about that. We also talked about the matchups for the SEC-ACC Challenge in college basketball, and uh, we were disappointed, to say the least, and so uh, we will mention a little bit more of that here in this hour as well. Uh, But if you missed any of the first hour, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, We also gave our uh, thoughts and condolences to uh, the news of Ryan Mallett, the former Arkansas quarterback, passing away. And so uh, if you missed any of that, again, just go and catch up with the podcast, commercial-free, right after the show today. But got some things to cover here on hour number two. Uh, A little bit of Auburn baseball news we may get to that today Uh, we also found something over the break that is blowing us away when it comes to college athletics college basketball in general uh, that Carter wants to discuss that I'm just kind of shook by Uh, and then when uh, 3.30 rolls around we will have Austin Hannon of Bama Central who will join us and we have a number of things to talk about when it comes to Alabama athletics with him so that's what's coming up here in hour number two until then phone lines are open give us a call be on the line 334-3 Two one thirteen ninety Carter. What'd you find? What's going on over there? So this is a tweet by Jeff Goodman, uh, everybody's favorite, um, every Auburn fan's favorite um, college basketball writer reporter. I say that with some sarcasm because everybody at Auburn hates him. Uh, Source: One concept that came up today in D one council meeting by the modernization of rules subcommittee was that playing pro basketball for a certain period of time wouldn't disallow players from coming back and playing college basketball. It's not ready to be voted on, but discussion will continue. What? (laughs) What? There are so many questions here when it comes to that. This would be such a mess. That's a disaster. You're like, hey... We know high school recruiting and with the G League and overtime elite is already stressful. And we know the transfer portal in basketball is wild in and of itself. But you can go add random dudes from professional basketball whenever you want. It's it's like that the the idea, I forget where I heard it. Maybe it was maybe it was the part of my take podcast where they're like they had the 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 take that one player at every college football team that goes on to play in the NFL should be able to come back any at any point and play. <laughs> and they're like, can you imagine like Tim Tebow coming back at Florida? Oh gosh. But like, what this look like at Auburn? Jared Harper and Sharif Cooper are coming back because they can't get an actual shot in in the NBA. Yeah, let it ride, it man. Destroy that in college would be basketball. So again. much fun. That would I don't. Be a lot I don't fun. think Bryce Brown could play. I think he used up all four years. Jared Harper has one more year. Sharif's got. Three or four. Well, that was going to be... Sharif has four. That was going to be my question was, do you technically still have to have school eligibility or can you you come back and pick up... No, no, no. You would have to. Coming back for a master's degree. You know what? I think I want to go for my doctorate while I play college basketball one more time. But, wow, what a disaster. I do want to talk some more about this. Graham, our intern board operator, answers our phones. You got something to chime in on this? 
Yeah, so I'm not saying I'm for this or against it or whatever, but I guess something, the first thing that popped into my head would be those high school guys. Now, can you go right out of high school? To, no. You can't anymore? No, okay. you, not anymore. you have to play one year. Okay, well, then that, that kind of disbusts what I was going to say. What I was going to say was a high school guy goes to the right to the NBA and is kind of like a bust, doesn't make it, then decides, okay, maybe I'll just go to college. Mm-hmm. That would make sense to me. I, I will say this. Um, if, would that open it up then maybe to be able to do that? That's kind of what – This could be some sort of preemptive discussion if the one-and-done rule is going away. Oh, maybe, yeah, it could. May, maybe that's where this is coming from because then you have some guy that goes straight out of high school to the NBA and it's just an epic bust and is out of the league within like two, three years, and then he's like, ah, you okay. know, I, how about I go back to college? Oh, yeah, maybe college was a good maybe, idea. Maybe that's a pre. Uh, that's a good point. That by is a Graham. good point. Yeah, it is. Uh, and maybe this is a preemptive discussion of that. But still, I just when I read this, my immediate thought was Jared Harper's coming back and running point in 2025, and Sharif Cooper is running point for the next four years after that. I would love it. I would absolutely <laughs> love it. Now it would be a disaster. This would be a cluster, to say the least. Oh, my God. It would be so bad. (laughs) It would be, oh, my gosh. It would be unbelievable. And if you're just now tuning in, we're talking about the tweet that Jeff Goodman sent out uh, about 45 minutes ago or so and saying, again, one concept that came up today in D1 council meeting by the modernization of rules subcommittee was that the playing of pro basketball for a certain period of time wouldn't disallow players from coming back and playing college basketball. It's not ready to be voted on, but discussion will continue. Multiple questions and discussions here, Carter. In our minds, your mind, my mind, our listeners' minds, what would be that time frame? Let's say that they voted this in. What do we think it would look like? It's got to be less than three years. And how high a professional basketball could you go before you were not able to qualify? If you make it to the NBA, I feel like at that point you – as crappy as it is, I feel like if this were to be voted in, if you make it to the NBA onto an NBA roster, even if it's one of those 10-day contracts late in the year, I think if you make it that far, you would, in my opinion, you should not be allowed to come back and play college ball. Now, if you play G League or overseas or something like that, then you could start to have a discussion. But if you're somebody that you went through it and you grinded and you are good enough to play in the NBA you should not be playing, be able to come back and play college basketball. Yeah, um, I get your point there, but if there's somebody that's just like, if they get taken fifth in the NBA draft and they get up to the and you're, you're going to start out on the NBA roster and you get there and you're just like, oh, you don't even kind of belong in the NBA. Go back to college, kid. And I mean, sure, I'd be fine with that, but uh, this is, that would make college basketball such a disaster. Because th- think about this. We've already heard about in football and basketball these scenarios where the transfer portal and the COVID years on top of it, which are going away, mm-hmm. fewer high school players were getting scholarship offers and being able to go play college football and basketball. Well, that's not going to get better when I can start cherry-picking dudes out of the G League. Right. Saying, oh, hey, you, dude, that played at... Let's go with Santa Clara, because Santa Clara had two, has had two guys drafted in the top 20 the past two years. They're one of, like, six schools that have done that. 
say those two guys wash out of the NBA and the G League, but they're really good players at Santa Clara, then like all of a sudden you're like, oh, like come play high major college basketball in the SEC, and I don't. It, it just it creates. I I I don't the movement movement horizontally at the college level and the movement movement vertically from the high school level that's a lot but if you start creating a world where you've got movement in three different directions man I don't know what I I don't know how that works well that brings up another question that I have is again it in the what if our favorite game here on the show what if this is voted in right in the hypothetical situation that this is adapted let's say Somebody like, use Jared Harper, for example. Jared Harper played at Auburn. He then tested the waters in NBA and pro level. Didn't quite get there, but he plays pro level basketball. Let's say he goes, you know what? I have so many years of eligibility. I want to come back and play college basketball. Would he then be allowed to come straight back to Auburn? Or would he have to go somewhere else? Could you go back to the school you came from? I, mean, I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't be able to. Which would then, so... Given and that you, answer, you'd be limited in terms of like what the scholarship situation is. Correct. Think about how cool that would be this year if Jared Harper could walk back on campus because Auburn's got open scholarships and play on the team with his brother for his brother's final year of college. Auburn would be loaded at the guard spot. They oh would be loaded. I mean, Trey Donaldson would transfer or something, figure out a way to get a get a waiver. I would hate to see that. It'd be something like that. Because, <laughs> I'd hate to see but, Trey go because Jared Harper walks in the door. What a crappy or, feeling or that Trey would be. Or Trey plays the two and you knock everybody down. Like, I'd you, be okay with you, that. You move your rotations that way. I'd be fine with that. But, but I mean... Jared Harper would walk in and start. I don't. I don't care how good Aiden Holloway is. I don't care if he has a broken leg. He still is your starter for Auburn because of who he is. It's a little excessive, but yes, like he would be the best. He'd be the best point guard in college basketball if he could come back and play one one more year. Because he's not a college point guard anymore. Exactly, and that's what I'm saying. That's why this rule is so baffling. Twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. At this point, he's a grown man compared to playing against seventeen and eighteen year olds. Because what he was twenty one. By the time he he went pro, and it's been forty years, so he's twenty five, twenty six. Can you imagine a a situation where you've got like some seventeen year old five star freshman getting guarded by like a thirty year old? He is twenty five. Will be turning twenty six in September. So yeah, he'd be twenty six playing next year. You see that very, very rarely with a guy that uses COVID years, extra years, redshirt yeah, years. There are a few 25-year-olds. There was the, the Memphis kid that was 25 this, this past year. And then in football, you see the, the guys that go play professional baseball then come back, like Cord Sandberg, who's like 27, or Tyler Stovall, who's like 28. But this would be cr- Imagine a guy who's literally just played like five years of professional basketball or something, and is he's he's dadgum thirty years old, digging up some five star freshman, and it's just it's not even fair. I would I would hate it. I, this this type of rule would be really really bad for college basketball. And put yourself in the shoes of a head coach in college basketball. I love this this re- response to the the first and I think still only response to Jeff Goodman's tweet. So in theory, a forty year old LeBron could come 
come and play tight tight end <laughs> and and play for the Ohio State basketball team and football team? Oh, Do both? Gosh. Oh no. Our in studio Ohio State fan isn't even aware that I just no. said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get a double thumbs up after that. Well, this would be a terrible idea. It, it the fact that this was even discussed, the only thing I can come up with is what Graham mentioned and that you sort of elaborated on was maybe this is early, early talks of one and done being not being a thing and being able to go from high school to pro again. I mean, we haven't seen guys do that in a long, long time. And you haven't, it's very rare to see guys successfully do that. LeBron, Kobe, um, those types of guys. But man, put yourself in the shoes of a college basketball coach, Bruce Pearl, for for argument here. And this rule gets adopted where a player could go play professional basketball at certain levels, and if he still had eligibility, could come back and play. How in the well, world? It, it, it doesn't even say certain levels. It says a certain period of time. Well, true. Which, until that's defined, possibilities it could be are endless. Yeah, the possibilities are endless, it seems like. Somebody just go throw an enormous bag at Jokic to come play for their college team. Oh, my gosh. Oh, see, and that's where I would have to put, like, you've got to put a limit on it of how high you could go, and, of course, the time period, too. But, but again, put yourself in the shoes of Bruce Pearl here. How do you manage a roster if a rule like this gets put in place? Let's say you You fill, can't. Yeah, you almost fill out your team, and then legitimately, we've been joking about this, but let's say Jared Harper, if he fits into this time thing, again, this is all the hypothetical here, but let's say this rule was in place, and Jared Harper, he... he fit all the expectations and he fit all the requirements to be this rule and he comes knocking on Bruce Pearl's door or he gives Bruce Pearl a ring on the phone and says, hey man, you got a roster spot for me? What do you do for that? You can't prepare for that, right? That just adds another element of high school recruiting, transfer portal, and now you're going to call this, what, professional roulette? I mean, what are you going to call this? What a terrible idea, unless there is something else behind this. The fact that they had a discussion about this blows my mind. <laughs> blows my mind. It's a terrible idea. Terrible. I, I There's just no way to like even kind of feel out what that would look like. There's so many questions. It would be such a disaster. It'd be such a disaster to watch ro- roster management at that point in time. It'd be impossible. You'd see, you'd see get, kids getting cut in the eleventh hour, or pushed out in the eleventh hour because oh hey like, John ja Morant's been kicked out of the NBA and he wants to come play college basketball again or oh something gosh. insane. Oh, what man. A, mm. I'm glad you came across that because that's a really wild thought. And not this it's not even funny. a thought; it's a conversation Imagine that was had this. today. If this got approved, LeBron retires from the NBA and goes and plays with Bronny at USC. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! And oh, then, <laughs> gosh, this is so great. Oh, the possibilities are endless. What the best thing ever? Well, hopefully this does not come to fruition because this is just unbelievable. I really can't wrap my head around that. The fact that. This was brought up. It was talked about. There's got to be more to this. And hopefully information comes out as time goes on. We'll take our first break here in hour number one. We'll have question of the day. You have something else to add? I have, I have one last question here. So, like, say you had a guy go play pro for a little bit, come back to college, 
would he then theoretically re-enter the NBA draft again? Oh, Lord. Or would he just be like a free agent that an NBA team could sign? Surely he wouldn't be able to be redrafted, right? You wouldn't be able to re-enter the NBA draft, I wouldn't think. Surely you just become like a free agent. And can be I signed. wonder if that became like a disaster where like, I guess if a team had your rights and you had like one year of college ball, you wanted to go play, and then you were just awesome, and you and you all of a sudden were getting looks at the NBA again, the team that held your rights, you'd have to go play for them. Yeah, that would be that. You're starting to get into the the legal contractual stuff there with whatever the contract says that you put pen to paper on with your agent when you were in the NBA the first time. This would be... If, if you could do this it's gonna in be a football... Headache. It's gives me a headache. Cam Newton, Auburn's quarterback in 2025. Boom. Why not? Who says no? Surely Walker he would White not fit. And, and Holden Gurner probably, but... Surely but he would that. not fit in the time span of that. I mean, it's been... <laughs> 13 years since he played college football. I mean, it would be surely oh, the man. time span would not be that long. What a crazy this is the idea. Best idea ever. I'm no, so it's excited. not. It's horrible. This is I such have, a bad I idea. I have full heel turned on this and gone from this is a disaster to this would be sick. I'm I am planting my feet in the sand and not moving. This is a terrible idea, which is why we're going to switch gears to our question of the day. When we come back, give us a call 334 321 1390. More of the Wednesday edition of On the Line when we come back. Are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Question of the day here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. We'd love to hear from you, 334-321-1390. Bringing this conversation back up that we had a while back, it talks about, it's the, the conversation about athletes that gamble on sports that are caught gambling and placing money on sports because uh, we got a couple of tidbits of news today uh the nfl is expected to suspend uh multiple players this week we remember when they got caught we remember when it all happened it seems uh maybe what a couple of months ago um but it's expected this week from the nfl that uh multiple players including uh carter's Uh, favorite team, their corner and kick returner Isaiah Rogers of the Indianapolis Colts, are expected to receive season-long suspensions this week for violating NFL's policy on gambling, uh, is what sources told ESPN. And the NCAA, with their perfect timing, came out today and had some things to say as well about updated punishments for athletes who violate the gambling rules. And so, Carter, question of the day to you is... To bring this back up, where do you stand on athletes that gamble on sports? I think if you put up super, super strict zero tolerance guidelines, like like you cross this line and get caught, you're done forever. Maybe I'd be fine with it, but just it's just such a slippery slope. Um. I guess the more the more gambling gets legalized nationally, I think the easier it would be to set something up like that. But in the current iteration, I still think that there's enough gray area and spaces where it's a slippery slope. It can get out of control. Maybe if you use if you 
bet in a less than ethical way. You get yourself in a hole and somebody has some means of influence on you and can affect things. That's what I would worry about as well. That I mean, that's a legitimate like the, that thought comes brings me back to and I'm not saying he did this, Brad Bohannon in Alabama mm-hmm. because like that is an easy way for what he did for the mind to go to and be like, well, in Alabama, gambling is illegal. Did he like could somebody theoretically in Alabama that that say Alabama has a hypothetical professional sport they and these players gamble in other sports in in Alabama and get in a hole it could be a slippery slope and yeah. i and and that and that's what i worry about with it but if you had if you set some ironclad zero tolerance guidelines where you cross this line you're done you're done you ne- you're never playing the sport again professionally then Okay, I I could get behind it. Which is kind of where where I stand because it seems like every week, right? Every week we have new information about players, coaches, affiliates, whatever that are getting in trouble for gambling on sports. And look, if you listen to the show, we've had this conversation before, and I've told you my opinion. My opinion is, honestly, as long as the athlete is not betting on a game that they are involved in, then I don't have a problem with it. And you've brought up some points where you can influence and talk to buddies and other players and coaches, whatever, and I get that. And so the more and more we talk about this and the more and more that other outlets talk about this and the more and more that it's in the news in general, I'm with you. I say you just put a hard policy on it. If you are involved in professional or collegiate sports in any way, shape, or form, you cannot gamble on it. And I don't like that. But I think if you want to truly control this to where you don't have season-long suspensions for, for NFL players or you don't have college athletes losing out on their eligibility or losing 50% of their eligibility or being fined based off of the amount of money they bet because that's the article that I'm looking at right now on ESPN that the NCAA updated their, their punishments where – you know, if you bet on your own sport, yeah, you're probably done playing college ball. Um, if you are caught betting on on another sport or betting on your own sport but not involving their school, they can be subject to a 50% season loss, and then you get into the financial part of things. But if you want to truly control it, I'm with you. Just put a put a hard limit on it and say if you're caught gambling on sports in general, if you're involved with it, you're done. You're out. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't like that. It's a very strict way of doing it. It's a very unfreedom way to do it. I don't think that's the way to say that, but it's just it, I don't like it, but that's how you're going to control it if you want to truly control it without having to go through multiple different rules changes and punishments and just every single case being different. Yeah. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says unfreedom. <laughs> yep. Goins 2024, unfreedom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, no, no, I mean, I, I, I agree. I just think that you get in such an awkward territory so fast when talking about athletes gambling on sports. And there is risk to it. There, there are lines that have to be drawn that cannot be crossed. And, and that's what I keep coming back to, and that's what I worry about. 
and it is what it is at this point. But uh, again, if you if you don't do that, you're just gonna have a you're gonna have players who are or coaches or or officials that are involved some way, shape, or form. There's too many people involved in in college or professional sports for somebody not to be gambling. Like it just is what it is. And for gambling to be as big as it is in America, when professional and college sports are now pretty much promoting sports gambling that's where you really get into some sticky situations as well when we come back austin hannon of bama central will join us talking all things alabama crimson tide you are on the line with jacob goertz and Carter Bird on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. All right, 30 more minutes here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. It's Wednesday at 3.30. You know what that means. It's Austin Hannon of Bama Central joining us on the phone lines. Austin, hope all is well with you. Uh, are you staying cool in this miserable Alabama heat? Dude, I'll tell you what. Uh, it's pretty bad, and I was actually—I actually just got back from uh, down in the Panhandle. I was at the beach the last couple of days this weekend, um, and somehow, some way, it's almost worse here in Alabama. I mean, I, you have a little bit of the beach breeze going on down there, so it makes it a little bit more manageable. Uh, but uh, I've hit reality again here in, in Northwest Alabama this afternoon. Yeah, there's no. Uh, I, as far as I know, there's no ocean or beach in in Tuscaloosa, right? No. I don't think there's anything there in Birmingham, so. No, no, not at all. <laughs> well, man, hope you had a good trip. Uh, we have, man, we have a lot to talk about today. So let's go ahead and jump into it because uh, we have numerous, numerous topics we need to discuss with you. We'll start with the NBA draft that took place last week, and we saw a couple of Alabama basketball players uh, go in the NBA draft. Brandon Miller, uh, not surprised that he went top five. It's more of a surprise of where he went, uh, number two overall, and then Noah Clowney going number twenty-one overall. Uh, did you expect those two guys to go where they did? And what do you expect them to do in the league with their new teams? Yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of talk about that number two pick, right? With Scoot Henderson, obviously legendary Auburn player. Um, <laughs> you guys are going nice. to kick nice. out of that. Uh, but it seemed like Charlotte felt like, you know, we heard Woj say it on the broadcast, which he kind of contradicted himself because he had tweeted earlier in the day that it looked like maybe it was going to be Scoot Henderson number two. Obviously, we all knew Wimby was going number one. Um, but it really, for the first time, I feel like in, a, in, in the draft, you know, NFL and NBA, you kind of know what's going to happen, it feels like, most times. Uh, but after Wimby got drafted, it was kind of like, all right, well, what's Charlotte going to do here? It was kind of interesting television for once. And uh, they go Brandon Miller, and, you know, you heard booze in Charlotte. And um, my, I guess my favorite I under- was it was so funny to watch the mascot. The mascot was the funniest yeah, clip I've right. ever seen. Right, I, and I guess I maybe understand that from an outsider's perspective of, <laughs> hey, he was he was part of the you know the whole Darius Miles thing, and uh, maybe that they think that that kind of rubs off on his character and whatnot. But from hearing what I heard, and I mean, I I've known the guy, I mean, I covered him for the whole season, and uh, it sounded like the, the the front office and Michael Jordan and everybody involved was really in on his personality. And uh, somebody tweeted out that they considered his off the field you know stuff as a positive and instead of a negative. So. Um, I think Charlotte fans are soon going to realize the great basketball players that they're bringing in. Obviously, I think I, don't, I, don't, I think it was a win-win situation there. I think Scoot Henderson is going to be just as good, um, and it has the potential to be even better than Brandon Miller. But I think they're both going to be all-star basketball players. Um, and you know, you really couldn't go wrong with that pick. And then, of course, you got Noah Clowney going to Brooklyn. Uh, I was watching the draft, and the kind of picks kept going by. 
some point in the season, you know, he was in the maybe in the lottery, maybe not, you know, kind of in the teens. Uh, but, you know, most people with their mock draft had him around 21, 22, 23 uh, day of, and that's where he went. So I think Brooklyn's a good spot for him. Obviously, they got a lot of young talent. They've moved on from the whole, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving fiasco, and um, they're kind of trying to start something new with Macau Bridges, and they bring in Noah Clowney, and I think he'll fit in well there, and I think Brandon Miller will feel, fit in great with uh, LaMelo Ball once he gets back from that injury. Obviously, he's not. Those aren't the only two players that have left this Alabama roster. We 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 got to revisit one of the first questions I asked you in your time uh, on with us about Javon Quinterly, and I asked you right after he announced he was going to stay. Well, now he's not. How much did that catch everybody by by surprise? And where does Alabama go from here? Surprise is an understatement. Um, I mean, this is a guy that just two weeks ago, maybe two and a half weeks ago, had, had put out a a whole graphic on his social media of him with all his trophies and SEC championship, you know, basically all of his accolades and kind of said, I'm back. You know, he's doing the whole six-year thing, and um, he was going to be obviously the starting point guard probably again. And now, you know, you fast forward a couple weeks, and it's just out of nowhere. You know, Joe Tipton comes out and says, actually, Quinley's going to hit the portal and, and try something new. And there's been a lot of mixed reactions um, on social media about it. And is this, does this tarnish his Alabama legacy because he kind of, did a little bit of a dirty thing and, and kind of saying he was coming back and then changing his mind right after. Uh, but I don't think personally that this tarnishes anything he's done. I mean, this is the new way of college basketball. Um, you know, you get what you get. You know, it's surprising that if at this point in college sports, if you have a guy for more than one season on your team in any sport. So uh, what he did at Alabama came in, obviously had to sit out the one year, uh, won four SEC championships total, uh, won SEC tournament MVP back in 21 led this team to two Sweet 16s. I mean, he's been everything and more that I think was expected of him when he came in um, as the Jelly Fam kid that, you know, left Villanova. But now he's going to have one more year somewhere else. I've been seeing a lot of Memphis um, for whatever reason. I mean, the NIL money is obviously there, and we've seen a lot of talented guys go over to Penny Hardaway and play at Memphis. And, um, you know, if that's what it is, that's what it is. I mean, it, it, this is the new wave. This is what it is. And, you know, unlucky for Alabama fans, uh, you know, the home and home with Memphis the last two years. They wouldn't get to see him this year. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. But this is a guy that did a lot for the program. And um, I, I don't think there's going to be too many hard feelings when we look back at this, you know, in a few years. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. You mentioned Memphis already. But any, any early signs that you're hearing uh, with Bama Central talking about where Javon Quinterly could end up or where you think he, could, he should go for, for his basketball career? Yeah, it's an interesting I mean, I said Memphis, obviously, I've, I've seen that some places. I've heard that some, from some people. Um, you know, maybe like, I think it's going to be a big school. You know, I don't think this is going to be a move where he wants, and I, I've also heard this, though. This, this could maybe be, be kind of cool to you guys. There's maybe a long shot at, at, you know, obviously he's a Jersey kid and going back up to St. John's and, and playing for, you know, Rick Pitino, who's taking over there now. Um, that, that could be a sneaky pick, a little dark horse place for Javon Quinterly. I don't think he's going to go somewhere else in the SEC. Um, I could definitely eat my words, but just knowing the way he's interacted with uh, fan bases and, and other programs on Twitter and, and in person and during games, I don't, I can't see him going to another SEC team. Um, so I wouldn't expect that. But I think Memphis and, and maybe somewhere up in the Northeast could definitely be uh, options for him. Alabama did add a player today, or after a long time of it being rumored he was going to uh, transfer to Alabama. Grant Nelson, the the North Dakota State kind of wing forward, 
He's going to play for Alabama next year. What does he bring to that program, and how much does it kind of lessen the sting of losing Quinterly? Yes, yeah, different position, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Nelson's near seven feet, and Quinterly <laughs> yes. is kind of running the point guard position. And now that JQ's out of the situation, they're going to have to kind of find a guy to handle the ball. Um, you know, Mark Sears is a guy that you'll probably bring up immediately, but we kind of saw him struggle in, in terms of ball handling. He's kind of more of just a really small two guard that, you know, is going to come off screens. He's going to shoot the three. He's going to, you know, make plays on both sides of the ball, but not really a guy that you want to run the offense. So they're going to try to have to figure that out. But now that you've got Grant Nelson, like you said, you know, you add a lot of depth there in the front court. Um, you know, one of the biggest guys on the portal this year, for sure. You know, Arkansas, obviously, the portal hunters and, and Eric Musselman wanted him. Uh, it came down to those two, and, and Nate Oates won this competition, which you don't always see when uh, you're going to get Eric Musselman in the transfer portal. So, uh, big get. I mean, he did a lot at North Dakota State. He's first team all Summit League, you know, about 18 points a game, nine rebounds. I mean, he kind of does it all. Stretch the floor a little bit, like Nate Oates wants. Um, and with Charles Vediaco leaving, I mean, this is huge. And so, now you're looking at, okay, Grant Nelson's probably going to get into that starting lineup. Obviously, the big commitment from Jaron Stevenson uh, last week, you know, a North Carolina kid that it looked like all his life, he was going to be a Tar Heel, and out of nowhere, here comes Nate Oates in the Crimson Tide out of Tuscaloosa, who's become this basketball powerhouse out of nowhere, uh, stealing him out of, out of the Tar Heel state. So he's going to reclassify. You've got Grant Nelson. Um, obviously, you lost Bediaco, who didn't get drafted, which we, that's a whole other subject. Why did he leave? Um, he did get signed by the Spurs, but you know, I, I don't, you know, you don't really know how long that's going to last uh, as an undrafted free agent. So. Right. Um, Grand Nelson's a big get. Obviously, they needed a, a big guy, so they're, they're doing a lot of work. Aaron Estrada, you know, Latrell Wrightsell. The portal has kind of become such a huge thing. You know, we, you lose JQ, but you bring in two or three guys, and uh, you just try to do what you can to make up for it. Of the guys that have come in or will be coming in for Alabama, whether it be high school recruits or transfer portal for Nate Oates and Alabama basketball, which one, Austin, in your, mind, in your mind right now, as we are here in late June, will have the biggest impact for Nate Oates and Tuscaloosa this season? I don't see where you can go anywhere else other than the Grant Nelson. I think this is kind of it was it was that big and and like you said, it finally happened. Uh, I think the initial report came out a couple of weeks ago that it looked like he was going to choose Alabama over Arkansas, and then nothing really happened. It was quiet. He never really announced anything, and then uh, we got Jeff Goodman today said he confirmed it with him, and then he put on his Instagram, "Thank you to North Dakota State" and this and that. And I'm still not sure if he's actually put anywhere himself. Um, or he hasn't been quoted anywhere saying he's going to Alabama, but I believe when Jeff Goodman says that he's going to Alabama, he's going to Alabama. So um, I'm going to take his word for it. I, I think he's going to be a huge addition. Um, and, and this, I mean, obviously, Noto runs a guard-heavy team. Uh, you know, you're mostly going to get the points and the scoring contributions from those guys, and he likes to run the setup where, you know, you spread the ball out, you shoot the three, and, then you know, you penetrate the lane and you, you lob it to the big guys. So it's not going to be a Charles Benyako type of big guy, but I think it's a guy that's going to be able to control the ball a little better, uh, shoot the deep ball a little better, and kind of do a, a little bit of everything a little better than maybe, you know, the Nick Pringles and, and the Charles Benyakos could do for you last year. Um, and it, it's a big get. So uh, good good news for Alabama basketball over the last few weeks. Obviously losing Quinterly is going to hurt, but um, there's going to be other guys that can kind of step up for him in his place, I think. We uh, also found out the matchups for the ACC-SEC challenge for this upcoming season. I'll be honest, I, they left me wanting more. I thought some they're, they're pretty weak matchups uh, generally out there. But Alabama is going to, I believe, host Clemson on Tuesday, November 28th. They, are, they have the late game, the 830 tip. Uh, what do you think about that matchup? And uh, 
What are your thoughts on these matchups for the ACC SEC challenge? Yeah, they. Uh, I see a lot of those reactions of, "Hey, these aren't very exciting," and you know, you got games like you know LSU and Syracuse, which you know Jim Beheim's out now, and LSU's kind of in a bad spot at the mm-hmm. program, and Notre Dame and South Carolina. I mean, they're just weird games. You know, there's obviously yeah. a couple of headliners on there. You got Miami and Kentucky. Miami obviously made the Final Four um, under Jim Laranega. They're going to go to Rupp Arena. That should be a good contest. I think Clemson's a, it's a solid program. They're going to come to Coleman Coliseum and, and play the, you know, right now SEC champion Alabama. Tennessee's going to Chapel Hill. That's pretty exciting. Um, Texas A&M, you know, Buzz Williams, can this team ever kind of figure it out uh, around tournament time? They, they get hot, and then, you know, last year they actually got that tournament invite and then lose, lost in the first round, and um, they'll, they'll, they'll be in Charlottesville to take on Virginia, a great ACC program under Tony Bennett. Uh, Duke's going to play Arkansas and Fayetteville. I think that's probably the biggest one of all of them. Um, and then you guys get on your hands, Virginia Tech coming to town. So woohoo! It's uh, <laughs> it's yeah, it's uh, it's not as I mean Georgia and Florida State, very exciting. Boston College and Vanderbilt. I mean, <laughs> it's not great, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. And Austin, they they Alabama. had Texas A and M Vatek, the Buzz Williams game, staring them in the yep, fa- in the Austin. face, and yep. they had Virginia in Neville against Auburn, staring them in the face. Well, and they said... The, 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 the whole Kyle guy foul, final Yeah, and yeah, it's, yeah. instead they, they said, we're going to pick the way worse option for both of them. See, and now that I think... I, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. I think this is kind of a new thing that's going to be going on for years. So, yes, you yeah. know, maybe eventually we'll, we'll get that matchup and, and we'll see, you know, the, the Cavaliers come to Auburn and maybe Auburn will finally get that revenge for the, the foul or no foul. Uh, in the corner up there, and where was that Final Four? New Orleans? No, that was last Minneapolis. Year. I Minneapolis. Spent, yes, I think I right. spent that's 14 right. hours in in the state of Minnesota. I got there two hours before tip, and I left at 6 a.m. the uh, next morning. Brutal. That's brutal. Yeah, it is. I'm well, ask you guys uh, uh, objective opinion: foul or no foul? <laughs> oh, it, oh, it's a foul. <laughs> that but, was a foul. It's the blatant missed double dribble yes. that everybody right. has the bigger issue with. Right. Right, correct. And then he goes down, knocks all the three free throws down. And, and, and all the credit in the world to him for stepping up there and oh, yeah. knocking them Absolutely. down, man. No doubt about it. Well, Absolutely. Oh, did we lose? Oh, he's still there. Okay, I thought we may have lost you. Well, Austin, let me ask you this really quick before we let you go. We've seen the, the SEC Big 12 Challenge. We've had some really good matchups there. Uh, I'm going to miss that one. I think that one has a chance to be more entertaining what we've seen in the past versus what we're going to see in the SEC ACC challenge but also they moved the date remember that the SEC Big 12 challenge was always played late January you got to play it all on a Saturday sort of take a break from conference play this is going to be in in late November right there in the heart of non-conference play do you like that they moved it and are you more excited for what we saw with the Big 12 or what we could see with the ACC I think it makes sense. Um, you know, obviously, I liked the little break, you know, in the middle of conference play. You get that Saturday, and you're like, wow, I got a little taste of something new here. I get to go to Coleman and, and you know, cover a team that I haven't seen all year, and it's kind of fun. And But, I mean, it makes sense from a scheduling standpoint. I mean, you kind of want to separate the two, I guess, and, and put, you know, this challenge with all your other non-conference games. And I, I will say this, Jacob. I mean, the ACC obviously has been – like the conference in basketball, right? For like as long as I can remember. But it seems like now that's kind of transitioning mm-hmm. to the Big 12 and the SEC. And so, you know, it's not – it doesn't have the same, you know, maybe shine to it that maybe it would have a few years ago uh, just because it, these programs, some of these ACC programs that used to be dominant and used to be like 
powerheads in college basketball just aren't anymore. So, right. um, you know, goodbye with the Kansas and the Texases and the Baylors, all the teams that are kind of becoming the new blue bloods in college basketball. And you're, you're kind of taking it back with some of these, um, you know, the Syracuses of the world and the Pitts and the teams that kind of used to be great at basketball that there really aren't anymore. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I think from a you know ge- geographical standpoint, uh, you might have some more rivalries in here just because the ACC and SEC are pretty close to each other um, on a map. But it's also just – I think we had something good going, but it, it seems like a lot of days in, in sports these days we, we change the good stuff uh, when we've got it. Well, Monday Talks and, of course, ACC, SEC, both will be ESPN uh, sports, and so uh, a big reason for that. Alabama will host Clemson on the men's side, and then on the women's side, Alabama will be traveling to Syracuse. So interested to see how that will match up there in late November. Austin Hannon of Bama Central joins us every Wednesday at 3.30. I told you we had a lot to talk about, man. Segment flew by just like that. We appreciate you and your time always, man. Hope you had a good trip uh, this past weekend. We appreciate you taking time and talking to us about about Alabama athletics. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and everything you got going on at BamaCentral.com. Yeah, BamaCentral.com. That's, that's where our stories go and, and uh, our daily coverage of Alabama athletics. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, then Austin Hannon underscore. So that's it. Um, always great. I'll, I'll talk to you guys next Wednesday. All right, sounds good, man. We appreciate you and your time. That's Austin Hannon of Bama Central. When we come back, we'll wrap it up here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. On the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Wrapping up the Wednesday edition of On the Line, big thank you to Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Joins us every Wednesday at 3.30, talking all things Alabama athletics. We had a lot to discuss with him, went over it all, I'm pretty sure. Um And so we appreciate him and his time every single week here on the program. Uh, If you missed any of that conversation or any of today's show, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded commercial-free right after the show today. Um, Interesting conversation, interesting comments, I should say, from uh, Austin about a couple of things. I mean, it seems like Alabama is excited to be playing Clemson in the SEC ACC challenge. I mean, I think that's a fun one. It's one of the many, many teams that Auburn would have been excited to play outside of Virginia Tech. Um, and you know, I, I'm just curious, how did we get to these matchups? Because I think they put the names in a hat and they just picked apparently, them. Apparently, if you just go based off last year's standings, Alabama, Miami which is better than Alabama-Clemson. Uh, A&M-Virginia, which is exactly what it is right now. Kentucky-Duke, which I think is better. Uh, Tennessee-Pitt, that's not great. Missouri-Clemson, not great. Auburn-UNC at 7. This, they've both finished 7th in their league. That's so much better. That's so much better. Now, uh, poor, poor Louisville. Um, we'll, have, we'll have to get smoked by by Ole Miss, uh, I believe. Actually, yeah, I still these aren't great, but I think that there's a few at the top that are better than this. It literally seems like they put uh, a bowl of the ACC schools and a bowl of the SEC schools, and they just put a hand in each, and they just picked them out, and they said, "Oh, Auburn, Virginia Tech. Oh, LSU, Syracuse." 
And, and they just did it like that, and they just got lucky with Duke going to Arkansas and Miami going to Kentucky. Uh, I mean, in Tennessee going to Chapel Hill. Like, it just, I don't know, man. And I get Kentucky and North Carolina not playing because they normally play in that CBS Sports Classic or whatever with Ohio State and UCLA. Um, but yeah, you had Duke, Kentucky. I like Tennessee and North Carolina. I think that's going to be a really, really fun game. Uh, Duke, Arkansas is going to be fun. And Austin mentioned uh, LSU, Syracuse could be good. Could have been good, but LSU basketball is just in, in in a dumpster fire. And Syracuse, who knows what they're going to be now that the legend Jim Beheim is no longer there. Um, other than that, I mean, I'm just, I don't know. I'm disappointed. I think that's the word of the day. Disappointment when it comes to the SEC-ACC challenge and the, the matchups. Now, over the years, we would and should get some really interesting games. Uh, and I'm sure Auburn and Virginia will happen at some point. Uh, you're going to get some big schools pairing up with each other. But in the first year that you're doing it, you would think ESPN and these conferences would have wanted to give you better matchups and, and kick this thing off in the right direction. Either way, we'll see how it goes. That'll be in late November. We're out of time here on the Wednesday edition of On the Line. Go catch up with the podcast, ESPNAU.com. Come back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.